like to invite forward Dan Cover, who will read our background scripture reading. All right, well, good morning. I must admit it feels a little bit strange uh, to be up here and to be offering what is described as the farewell message. As this day has come closer, it, uh, it feels almost a bit surreal. On the one hand, um, I'm quite confident that this will not be the last time um, that I stand up here and preach from behind this pulpit, at least I certainly hope not. On the other hand, I do recognize that it will be the last time that I do so as a pastor of Blessings Christian Church, uh, a church that has been our home, a church that has been our our family for well over six years now. We've come to know so many of you uh, incredibly, incredibly well. We've laughed about things together. We have cried about things together. We've had the joy uh, of seeing people come to know and embrace Jesus Christ. Um, We have shared with you the pain of seeing people deny Christ. We've seen the arrival of uh, beautiful baby children, and we've witnessed the departure of uh, just amazing, wonderful, godly saints. And so on a morning like this, um, I think more than anything else, it feels like you're overwhelmed by memories. It does seem somewhat surreal to see this kind of chapter, this season of our lives, uh, come to a close. And I think what 
what makes it harder, um, and perhaps what makes it harder for you as well, is that it's, it's happening during such a surreal time. Despite the great prophecy of Bill, tomorrow we will be going back to another lockdown. Thank you for that, Bill. Right? It's been a hard year for the church. You know, we've had our, our worship moved online. We've had to move youth group online. We've had to move small group online. It's been very, very tough uh, for us to stay connected. And it kind of feels like it's just been one thing after another. And then to top it all off, and in the middle of all this, you get the news that one of your pastors is leaving. And I can imagine that in many ways this is discouraging. And it's hard because it feels like we're in such a time of uncertainty and such a time of change. And so as I close my ministry here at Blessings, I, I want to close with a, with a message to encourage you. And I want to encourage you to proceed with confidence. And the reason why is because if you, if you look back over the history of the church, you'll discover that pandemics have come and pandemics have gone. You'll discover that pastors have come and pastors have gone but the church is built on the unshakable foundation that is Jesus Christ. And He remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so that's the message I want to preach this morning from Hebrews 10. Let me offer a word of prayer, and then we'll read from Hebrews 10, verse 19. Father, we come to You this morning as we open up Your Word and we ask for a blessing upon it. We pray that You would move by Your Spirit to empower us to hear and to understand what it is that You have to say. Father, we pray that you would comfort us by the presence of your Spirit, that you would calm our emotions, that you would encourage us with the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that you would allow the message of Christ to go forward clearly. In his name we pray. Amen. So I'd like to read uh, from Hebrews 10, the verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I think that every young pastor, when they come out of seminary, they have that one book of the Bible that they really kind of want to preach. They got that one book that they're like, oh, I, I just, I can't wait. One day I'm going to preach on this book. And for me, that book is actually the book of Hebrews. I think it's an amazing, amazing book of the Bible. It's so rich. It's so deep. And it, it, it just has this way of, it, it kind of draws the whole story of the Bible together and it just anchors it in Jesus Christ. And so I've always looked forward to the day when I'm going to preach from this book. Now, some of you are wondering this morning, well, you've had four and a half years. Right? Maybe you could have preached on it by then. And maybe you're wondering, why didn't you preach on it? 
And I'll answer that question for you. The reason why I have not preached on this book yet is because young pastors have a tendency to be overly ambitious. So we graduate from seminary, you know, our, our degree is, is, is barely printed, and we come out and we're like, I'm going to preach the book of Revelation. Right? The problem is that we're not actually ready to preach the book of Revelation. And so people end up leaving and we make a big mess and they're more confused than they were before. And I didn't want that to happen to me with the book of Hebrews. I didn't want to spoil the book of Hebrews. But then I was thinking, well, this is my last sermon at Blessings Church. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Um, so, so here we go. We're going to do the book of Hebrews one time. And I think it's a, an occasion that's special enough uh, for us to give it a try. Now, the book of Hebrews um, has a really simple message. If you go through the first nine chapters, you'll, you'll see that the, the author of Hebrews is basically holding up different Old Testament examples and comparing them to their fulfillment in Jesus Christ and, and demonstrating ways in which Jesus is better. That's kind of the message of the book. Jesus is better. So Jesus is better than the Old Testament prophets. Uh, Jesus is held up as better than Moses. Jesus, we're told, is the mediator of a better covenant. And as we read through Hebrews 9, you could tell that we're, we're having Jesus held up as the great high priest. And the point is that his ministry is better than the priestly ministry that was given to Aaron, the Levitical priesthood. The sacrifice and, and, and the, the, the blood of Jesus Christ is held up as better than the sacrifice and then the blood of bulls and goats. As you go through the book, it's very clear in every possible way, Jesus is better. And therefore, the author begins in our text today, Hebrews 10.19, therefore, you can proceed with confidence. And that's the simple message that I want to preach today. Because of Jesus and who He is, you can proceed with confidence. And I want to encourage you this morning to do three things. I want to encourage you to draw near, to hold tight, and to take care. So as we get into our text, I want to say a couple of things. The, the text in general um, is, is an encouragement for, for Christians to persevere. That's the general character of this text. It's an encouragement for Christians to persevere. And the basic structure of the text is actually fairly simple. In the verses 19 through 21, the, the author, inspired by the Holy Spirit, holds up who Jesus is and what he's done. And then in the verses 22 through 25, the author basically begins to explain the consequences of that. Right? So the author says in the verses 19 through 21, here's who Jesus is, here's what he's done, and then you'll notice that verse 22, 23, and 24 all begin with the same phrase, let us. So because of who Jesus is, let us do this, let us do this, let us do that. And the first thing that the author says is, let us draw near. Let me read with you again just the verses 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience 
and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now you have to understand that the um, audience that's being addressed here in this passage is a Jewish audience that would have been very familiar uh, with the Old Testament worship. They would have been very uh, familiar with the idea of the tabernacle, the temple. They would have been familiar with the, the sacrifices, with the ceremonies, with uh, the priesthood. And so they understood when the author was taking this Old Testament example, when he was using this Old Testament, those, this, this temple worship, and then comparing it to the worship that's possible through Jesus Christ. And they were starting to see how Jesus was better. Right? The author is saying, this is how you used to have access to God. And now through Jesus Christ, this is how you have access to God. If you're not familiar with the Old Testament, it's worth saying that the Israelites um, in the Old Testament, that the way that they had access to God was really uh, was, was through the priesthood. It's probably worth reading, if you have time this week, Leviticus 16 kind of explains how that works. But it, it, the access was kind of through the priesthood. And the high priest was an individual who had a unique role. The high priest had the great privilege of, of interceding, of, um, of really kind of coming into the presence of God and, and pleading with God on behalf of the people. And he, what he'd have to do is he'd have to offer a, a sacrifice uh, for, for himself. And he'd have to, uh, you can read about it, he'd have to purify himself with water. And when he'd done all of that, then he could actually enter into the tabernacle. He could uh, come into the temple. And then he could pass through this curtain that hung there. And he would go into where the ark, the, the presence of God was. He was the one individual who was allowed to actually pass through that curtain, that curtain that stood as a barrier between a holy God and between sinful people. And then when he'd go in, he was like, he, he was right in the presence of God and he could pray and he could plead with God on behalf of the people. And all of this, this ceremony and this, this ritual and the sacrifices and the priesthood, this whole thing was intended, we know from the New Testament, it was intended to point us forward to Jesus Christ. Now the problem in the book of, of Hebrews, the problem is that the, the audience that's being addressed is having trouble letting go. They're having trouble letting go of the priesthood, of, of, of these different rituals, of, of the sacrifices and of these ceremonies. They're kind of afraid to let them go because they, they, when it comes to their relationship with God, they've kind of placed their confidence in these things. And the author of Hebrews is, is, is saying... You know, you don't need the priesthood. You, 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 you don't need these things anymore. Don't place your confidence in the things. Place your confidence in what they pointed to. Saying you have Jesus and Jesus is better. And I want to encourage you this morning as well that when it comes to your relationship with God, don't, don't place your confidence in the wrong things. Don't, don't place your confidence in your religious routines. Don't place your confidence in, in your background, in your tradition, in your denomination. When it comes to your relationship with God, don't place your confidence in, in, in things like your church or your church's programs. And please do not place your confidence in your pastor. As pastors, we have a unique role I think it's a beautiful role. It's an, it's an incredible privilege. 
to be able to intercede and to plead and to pray on behalf of the church and the church family. It's an incredible privilege to be able to open up God's Word and to preach and to teach and to point you to Jesus Christ. But this morning is one of those moments where it is time to let me go. And I don't want that to rattle you. I don't want that to shake your confidence. Because the fact is that you don't need me. Because you have Jesus. And Jesus is so much better. In Jesus, this text says, you, ha you have a great priest who is over the house of God. In Jesus, you have someone who by His blood has opened up a new and a living way through the curtain that is His body. In Jesus, you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit so that you yourselves have become priests who are able to enter into the presence of a holy God. I mean, that is the significance of what we're going to celebrate this coming weekend. Right? You think of what, what we read in Mark 15. In Mark 15, we read that with a loud cry, Jesus breathed His last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Jesus Christ, by His perfect sacrifice, has destroyed that barrier that hung, that separated a holy God from sinful people. Jesus Christ has, has sprinkled, we kind of saw a picture of that this morning, He has sprinkled our hearts with His blood. And He has washed us and purified us from the guilt of sin. Jesus Christ has made it possible for you to boldly, confidently enter in to actually draw right into the presence of God. And so when you face times of uncertainty, when you face difficulty, when you face discouragement, you get to come right into the presence of God and you get to say, God, help. God, lead. God, protect. God, provide. God, direct. And you get to have the full assurance the full confidence that faith brings that He hears. You know, that is the privilege that is given not just to pastors. That is the privilege that each and every one of you is able to enjoy. Every single person who draws near with a sincere heart. Every person who comes with faith in Jesus Christ is able to enter into the presence of the living God. Now, I can tell you that if I have... Um, if I have one regret, one regret, if I look back on my ministry here at Blessings, I, I wish I would have prayed more. If I have one regret, I wish I would have drawn near to God more. I mean, when I came out of seminary, I was like a house on fire. Bill and I still laugh about this. Some of you are smiling. I can, I can tell right through the masks. Because you remember these days, when I came out of seminary, I was going to drag people into the kingdom of God whether they wanted to come or not. And I was convinced that if I just preached the right sermon, I was convinced that if I could just teach the right lesson, if I could, if I could just answer questions the right way, then it would happen. Right? Then lives would be transformed. Then souls would be saved. And I've had to learn to draw near to God. I've had to learn to, to draw near and to, to depend on Him to do 
everything that I just cannot do. And I, I just, more than anything, I want to encourage you to do the same. Because through Jesus Christ, you have access into the presence of the One who is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. And so let's draw near. Secondly, let's hold tight. Verse 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. That word for unswervingly is actually a word that is only used here in the New Testament. We know from uh, different sources, different resources, we know that it's a word that has the sense of something that is uh, incredibly solid. Something that is really, you could describe as unshakable. Something that is, that is just absolutely firm. Something that can't be kind of bent to the right or, or to the left depending on the circumstances. And God wants us to have this kind of confidence when it comes to our relationship with Him. God, God wants us to hold tight like that. To hold tight to the hope that we profess. I mean, after all, that's really what faith is. Faith is, is, is clinging, holding to the promises of God. The author would go on in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1, and he explains it this way. He's, he's just about, if you know Hebrews 11, he's just about to explain kind of the, the heroes, the great heroes of the faith. And he begins that chapter with these words, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then he adds, this is what the ancients were commended for. Right? The great saints of the past, people like Noah, people like Abraham, Sarah, people like uh, Moses, people like Rahab, they were commended for holding tightly to the promises of God. Noah, right, building this ark in the middle of dry ground. Abraham, Sarah, believing that they would have a child even in their advanced age. Moses, uh, leading the people through the Red Sea in the middle of dry ground. Rahab, believing the promises of God in a city where no one else did. All of these saints were commended for one thing, but it was not for being great. They were not commended because they were extraordinary people. They were not commended because they were flawless. We know that they were. They were commended for being faithful. They were commended for holding tightly to the promises of God even when it was hard. And I want to encourage you to do the same. There's, there's so much pressure. There's so much pressure today to be great. And I want to tell you that I think there's a lot of pressure on pastors today to be great. If I think of this last year where so often we've been at home where everything is virtual and you can tune into whichever pastor you want, there is so much pressure to produce great sermons. There's so much pressure to have great video quality and to have great sound and to have it all take place in a beautiful, great church. And I just want to say to you, as you look to leaders and as you look at pastors, 
Don't look for, for those who desire to be great. Look for those who desire to be faithful. And pray, pray for them to be faithful because the devil is constantly tempting them to swerve to the left or the right. I don't know how many of you um, have ever heard the story of Rosie Ruiz. Rosie was a, a woman who in 1980 won the Boston Marathon. Or at least people thought she had. She was um, the first woman to cross the finish line. Unfortunately, they discovered that she had not run the whole race. See, what she'd done is she had registered for the race, she had signed up for the race, and then she had taken a bus or hitched a ride somewhere to the finish line, blended into the crowd about a half mile or a mile from the finish line, and waited. And then at just the right time, she had just kind of slipped out of the crowd, and she charged and sprinted that last mile to victory. And she wanted that moment. She wanted those eyes on her. She wanted the spotlight. But she was not willing to put in the hours and the hours and the hours of training that no one sees. She, she wanted the glory. She wanted the fame. But she was not willing to pay the price. She was not willing to run the race. We need to encourage each other to run the race. And we can't think that we're going to fool God because in the end, we will be exposed if we are a fraud. Right now, just to be clear, just to be clear, God doesn't want us to win the race. God doesn't want us to win the race. That's the whole point of Jesus. Right? God sent Jesus to run the race for us and He held unswervingly to the course set before him. He did not swerve to the right. He did not swerve to the left. Despite the best attempts of the devil. Jesus was 100% willing to pay the price. And on Good Friday, we celebrate the fact that he secured the victory. God does not want you to win the race. He simply wants you to be found faithful. And some of you this morning, some of you are running the race well. And we praise God for that. And some of you are, are struggling. Some of you are, are kind of slow to a walk. Some of you are limping. Some of you, if you're honest, you've kind of been brought to your knees and it feels like you are crawling your way forward. And it's hard, it's hard every day to get up and to do that again and again and again. But I want to say to you this morning, that that simple act, wherever you're at, that simple act of everyday faithfulness, it is offering your life as a living sacrifice. And we are told in Scripture that it is, it is holy and it is pleasing in the sight of God. It is pleasing in the sight of God. And I want to encourage you this morning, wherever you're at, to proceed with confidence because you have Jesus. And Jesus says at the end of Matthew 28, the very closing words which Pastor Bill did not quite get to, but they are there. You can check later. The end of Matthew 28, Jesus says this, And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is the promise of Jesus, and he who promised is faithful. 
You see, the great saints of the past, they were not commended because they were perfect. They were commended for one thing. They trusted the One who is. I think of what is said of Sarah in Hebrews 11, verse 11. We're told there that she was unable to have a child even when she was past childbearing age. And I love this line, because she considered Him faithful who had made the promise. See, a promise is only as good as the one who makes it. And we all encounter people in this life. You'll even encounter pastors who at times break a promise that never happens with God. Never. I think of what we read from Paul in in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. Paul says, for no matter how many promises, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. When our kids were younger, um, we would take them sometimes to Great Wolf Lodge. We didn't have one of those in BC, so that was a really cool discovery when we came here. So we would take them to Great Wolf Lodge, and sometimes we would take them into the wave pool. They were quite a bit smaller back then. And if you've ever been there, that wave pool, it kind of gradually slopes and gets deeper. And so when I would walk in with them, we would say something like, okay, well, you need to, you need to hold my hand. And then the waves would start, and because they were little, as soon as the waves got going, the kids would just be getting batted around like one way and the other way. But they would laugh, and they had all the confidence in the world because they had my hand. But the thing is, the irony of it is that if you would actually look at them, they were so little, and their hands were so small, and they were actually so weak, that the reason they were safe was not because they were holding on to me, but because I was holding on to them. And again, I want to encourage you this morning, if you're at a place where you feel like you are really being batted around, I want you to have such confidence. Not because your faith is so strong, not because you are holding so tightly to God, but because of the promise that He will hold tightly to you. Right? Think of what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 29. Jesus says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Those are the promises of God, and He who promised is faithful. So let's draw near, let's hold tight, and finally let's take care. And the passage closes with these words, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This passage ends with, with really a call to take care of each other. The, the verb that's used there is a verb that describes um, noticing one another, paying, um, paying very close attention to each other. And the goal in doing that is that we would actually spur, that we would um, challenge, that we would push each other towards love and towards good deeds. I remember a couple of months ago, Pastor Bill was preaching a sermon and he gave a definition of what it means to be a friend. And he said, a friend is someone who draws you closer to Jesus Christ. And I love that definition. God wants us to be those kind of friends to each other who, who, who push and who challenge each other to grow in our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that so many of you 
uh, have been those kind of friends to us and to our family. I know that these are the kind of friends that uh, Bill and Ian have been to me. And as we leave here today, I, I, I just thank God for, for true friends. Friends who, who are willing to love you enough to challenge you sometimes, to spur you to grow in your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I, I really want to pray, my prayer is that you would just be those friends to each other. And I, and I don't want to just leave that out there this morning as just some kind of nice sentiment. Like, wow, that was really nice of Hilmer to say. I, I, you know me, I want this to be practical for you. And, and I, I would just say to you, like, go home, find a piece of paper, and, and write down, write down a couple of names, write down someone who maybe has been that friend to you, and praise God for them. And then write down, who is someone in my life that needs a friend like that? Who can I help? Who can I spur on towards love and good deeds? God knows that we need friends like that. And you ask yourself this morning, you're like, okay, well, how do I get that? How do I enjoy that? And the answer is you do life together. You, 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 you be the church. You, you live in community with one another. Right? That's why the author says, Hebrews 10, he says, don't give up meeting together. Don't live life as a solo Christian. Don't, don't live life somewhere way out there on the fringes. Because you know, we, we, we need each other. That's the biblical truth. We actually need each other to grow closer together and to grow in, in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you're here this morning, if you're here this morning and if you are someone and you reflect on this and you say, yeah, I, I do tend to be someone who just kind of comes to church. I love the messages. I, I, I love the worship. But then the reality is that I kind of go home and I, I, just, I just live life solo during the week. If, if I could encourage you at all, I would just encourage you to just prayerfully see if there's a way that you could plug in. Join a team. Join the welcome team. You'll meet lots of people. Um, join the AV team. You'll meet people that won't always be happy with you. Um, uh, you, you. You could join all sorts of teams. You could join the youth group team. Great team. You can, uh, you can join... One, this is the thing about blessings. There is a team for everything. Right? Join a team. Get involved. Meet people. Join a small group. And I know that that's not always easy. I recognize that that's awkward. But it's, it's one of those great blessings that if, if you kind of push through and you get involved, it, it will, you'll be amazed at the ways in which you grow in your relationship with Christ. And if you are someone who's already plugged in and, and, and you have these people and you're kind of part of the church community, then I want to encourage you as well and say, Look for those who don't. Right? Be the church. Look for those who are on the fringes and just prayerfully say, how can I help? How can I kind of spur and urge this person on towards a greater love of Christ and towards growth in the Lord Jesus Christ? And I know that's hard. I get that. It's easy for me to say as I go, I know that's hard. And it does involve putting yourself out there. And I know that it involves sacrifice, and I know that it involves giving up time, and I know that it involves all sorts of things, and I recognize that there are a million other things that you could do. But I want to say to you, this is about Jesus. And Jesus is better. You know, in October of 2016, 
I was ordained to the ministry of the gospel as a pastor here at Blessings Christian Church. And Pastor Bill preached a message. It was from uh, John chapter 12, and the title of that sermon was, Sir, We Want to See Jesus. And I would say that is my prayer, that over the past four and a half years that I've preached Jesus, that I have uh, preached Christ and Him crucified. Because the fact is, pastors will come and pastors will go, but Jesus remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we leave here this morning, it is hard. There's so many things we will miss. Uh, We will miss the wonderful people. We will miss the relationships. We will miss the stories. Uh, We will miss the whole story of blessings right from ground zero. You know, we will miss the small group. I'm so glad you could be here this morning for the blessing that they've been in our lives. Uh, I will miss the youth group, the great relationships, the wonderful, wonderful young people that I see growing in Christ in this church. I will miss those things. But I will say this, we leave with confidence. We leave with confidence because of Jesus. And that reality allows us to pray with Paul the words of Philippians 1, Verse 3, when he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on unto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, you you know the difficulty of these moments. Lord, you know uh, how special this church is to um, to us and to our family. You know the the relationships that we've built, the the friendships that we've had. You know all those moments that not everyone knows the those great memories that will stick out. Some of those memories involving great joy, but even some of those memories involving great sorrow. You know the great privilege that it has been for me as a, as a pastor to walk with this church. To walk with those as they build friendships and relationships. To walk with those who have welcomed the arrival of children. To, to sit beside those who are coming to the end of their earthly pilgrimage. Lord, it has, um, it has been such a privilege, and I thank you for that. I want to pray for uh, this church. I want to pray for the membership. I want to pray for the leadership, Lord. I thank you for faithful leaders more than anything else. I thank you for those who have um, proved themselves faithful over time. And I thank you for Bill and for the great friendship that we have for uh, someone who's a mentor but also uh, a brother in Christ. I thank you for Ian and for the great things that he's taught me about gospel ministry and about a heart for those who are lost. I thank you for our elders and, and deacons who spend hours doing things that 
so often go unseen. I thank you for small group leaders who take up a a role that is so often overlooked and so often underappreciated. I thank you for their love for the people in their groups. I thank you for the individuals in those small groups. I thank you for the beautiful growth. Lord, as we see people grow and produce fruits for your glory, what a blessing that is. And I pray, Father, that you would be with those who are just on the fringes of this church, perhaps feeling a bit lost, perhaps feeling out of place, perhaps simply seeking the truth, the truth that is in Jesus Christ. I pray that you would draw them in by the power of your Spirit, that they might experience the love of the body of Christ. I thank you for those who continue to run the race, for those who are running well, but also for those who are struggling, for those who the best they can do is simply to get up and to crawl an inch at a time. I thank you for the fact that you don't look down on that, but instead you embrace those simple, beautiful acts of faithfulness, that you see them as holy and pleasing in your sight. And so, Father, as we go from here, we entrust ourselves to you because we know that you who have promised, you are faithful. And we know that you will lead us, you will guide us, and you will protect us. And we know that you are offering us something that nothing in this world can compare to. There are so many things that we could do with our time. There are so many things that we could pursue. There are so many activities that we could be involved with. But then there is Jesus. And Jesus is better than anything else. And so we thank you for your love and your kindness to us in him. And we pray these things today in his name. Amen. We're going to respond with the hymn, Ye Servants of God.